Thank you for listening to the Radiant Church Podcast. For more information, visit us at weareradiant.com. So let's go. Last week, I talked about joy in difficult seasons. If you missed that message, you can check it out. But today, we're going to continue in chapter four. If you have your Bibles, I want you to open it up. Philippians chapter four. And I want you to see how he starts this passage. And it's beautiful how he continues this, the end of this, this whole message on joy. And he says it like this. Therefore, my brothers and my sisters, here's what he does. You whom I love and I long for, my joy and crown. I think it's beautiful how he opens this whole thing up. Paul was not just a great writer, an apostle, a church planner. He was a pastor. And he's a great pastor because he starts off the end of this letter by talking about how much the church means to him. And honestly, if I could be real with you, I read that passage and I got a little convicted going, I don't know if I tell Radiant enough what you guys mean to me and mean to Katie. I'm telling you, I just want to say it. I want to follow my example here of the Apostle Paul. He's like the top pastor, so I'll, I'll try to be like him for a little bit. Radiant Church, you are the joy of my life. The fact that I get to pastor you guys and be with you guys from this last five and a half years, it's been the greatest experience in Katie and I's life. We love you guys. We're with you guys for life. You're not getting rid of us. If you leave, we're going with you. Like we're in this thing. And how about we just change the world together? Are we okay with that? We love you guys. And I'm telling you, that's from the bottom of my heart. We love you guys. It is such a joy to be part of what God is doing here. And then he says it like this. I want you to stand firm in the Lord in this way, dear friends. And then he gives us a challenge of how we can stand firm in the Lord in verse four. And he says it this way. Rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again, rejoice. Now it's a pretty famous passage, but it kind of sums up our whole message here on joy. So why don't we say it together at every location and let's say it out loud with me. Ready? Rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again, rejoice. Let's do it one more time, but really loud. And when we say that final rejoice, we need to do like a really loud rejoice. Ready? Okay. Rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again. Rejoice. Isn't that awesome? That's, that's what we're called to do as believers. So what he does in chapter four is brilliant. He says, you always need to rejoice, but then he lays out four major, what I'm calling today, you can write it down, some joy killers that you'll never be able to rejoice in the Lord, rejoice in every situation if you've got these joy killers in your life. So we're gonna evaluate them today. I'm gonna show you what they are and I think you'll get set free from, from them if you're dealing with them in your life. Because as believers, get this, joy is the natural bent that we should have. Let me explain it. So because we've been saved, because we've been called by God, because we've been set free, our natural tendency is to experience joy in every situation. We should be experiencing joy. You should walk around with a smile on your face, joy in your heart, no matter what's going on around you, because you've been saved. Can I hear a good amen today? But just because it's your natural tendency does not mean that there are some things in your life that if you allow them there, they will kill the joy in your life. Let me give you a good example. At Disney World, the natural thing for that location is for you to be happy. That's why they have coined it as the happiest place. Come on, help me out on what? On earth. So what that means is when you go to Disney World, you should be happy. But how many know when you go to Disney World, there are some happiness killers that are at Disney World, amen? 
All right, so, so I needed some examples from the crowd. Every location, you're going to throw it out. What are some happiness killers at Disney World? Oh, you just, okay, a lot of examples right there. Lines. How many would say the lines are a happiness killer, don't they? Like, they don't, they don't advertise that. They're not on the commercials. You're just sitting there miserable for three hours waiting for Avatar. Like, it's not in the commercials. All right, what's another one? Throw it out. Oh, very good. The heat. How many know they don't show us the heat? They show you having fun, enjoying life, but they don't show you in 105 degree Memorial Day weekend at Disney World. Like just miserable sweating. You can't even put the pictures online because your makeup's all running. It's crazy. What's another one? Come on, throw it out. Yeah, yeah, very good. The kids, yeah. (laughs) That's funny. I don't care what you say. Not your kids. How many know everybody else's kids? They're the joy killers of Disney World. One more, one more. Throw it out. The money, the cost. Oh, they don't tell you what it's going to cost you. Come on, how many know it's not the happiest place on earth. It's the most expensive place on earth. You get that bill. It is, it is a happiness killer. It is. It's the same thing in your relationship with God. There are some things, it's natural. You should be experiencing joy, but there's some natural, some things that happen that will kill the joy in your life. I wrote it down in my notes this way because happiness is always based on your happenings. So you will be happy as long as the line is short and the cost is low and the rides are fun. That's, that's normal life, but that's not where joy is. You see, happiness is based on happenings, but joy is always a choice. So joy as a believer, we have to make a choice to get these joy killers out of our life so that we can experience all that God wants. And I want you to leave here today and your joy is just going to be higher than it was when it came in because you're going to evaluate and really eliminate some joy killers in your life. So Paul gives us four in this next few verses in chapter four that I'm going to show you. I'm going to show you what they are and then I'll show you them in the Bible. Here's the first one. Write it down. It's a joy killer that I deal with. I'm sure you deal with it too. And it's called anxiety. How many know that anxiety can kill the joy in your life? You can be having a great day and then some thought gets planted in your mind. For me, it's, it's always some thought about the church or about finances. And I'll do, people think I'm spiritual because I'm up at 4 a.m. sending emails. It's not because I'm spiritual. It's because I'm anxious. It's like I'm, I'm sitting there thinking about, oh, man, this whole thing's going to fall apart at any minute. It, it's almost every Sunday. And this is not an exaggeration. It's almost every Sunday I wake up about 4.30 going, this is the one Sunday. Nobody's going to show up. Nobody's going to, what am I going to do? How am I going to speak if nobody's there? It's, it's why it's anxiety and it grips our heart. And what it does is it's a tactic of the enemy. And I want you to hear this to rob you of the joy of what God is doing in your moment by placing something in your life that probably will never happen, but it gets your attention and it destroys your joy. Here's how Paul says it, ready? He says in in verse six, do not be anxious about what? Anything. Anything. He says this, he gives us a pretty blanket statement. No matter what you're anxious about, don't be anxious about it. And here's the fact, I did the research. This year, 2019, Americans, 60% of Americans are more anxious now than they were a year ago. So you take a group this size at every location, 60% of you guys have more anxiety right now, whether it's about your finances or life, than you were a a year ago. So something's wrong. No wonder we're not filled with joy because we're filled with so much anxiety. So they gave us a top five things, and I thought we would be a church family in here today, not to embarrass anybody because I would raise my hand for all five of these, and I will, 
But if you've ever dealt with any anxiety about one of these five issues, I just want you at every location just to throw your hands up, okay? Here's the top five. Ready? Let's look at number one. The first one is simply this, about keeping our family safe. Come on, raise your hand. All over this place? Great. Most of us, all right? It's going to set us free just to realize you're not the only one, all right? Here's another one. Have you ever dealt with any anxiety about your health? Anybody in here? Okay, great. Most of the room. How about this one? How about paying bills? Oh, some of y'all shot that hand up way too quick. You're like, right now I'm dealing with that. Yeah. I I know what it's like. Uh, How about this one? Politics. Come on. Anybody in here? Yeah. It's just something that'll mess you up. Yeah. it, It gives you some anxiety. Here's the last one. It's simply, how about interpersonal relationships? Relationships in general. Some of y'all threw up the hand of the person next to you. It's not appropriate. All right. So we all deal with this, don't we? And truthfully, it's sometime in our life we're stressed, we're anxious about one of these things. But here's what Paul says about all of those areas. Don't be anxious about anything. Now, that would be a mean statement to make if he didn't give us a solution. But he gives a solution right after. He says, don't be anxious about anything. But in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. So he tells us, listen, while it's easy to be anxious, it'll overwhelm your life, you have another option. And the option is that you choose faith. George Mueller says it this way, and I want you to hear it. He says, the beginning of anxiety is the end of faith. I want you to get that. Because so many people are sitting there going, man, I, I, I'm just anxious. It's, it's because you've not chose faith. And then he goes, and the beginning of true faith is the end of your anxiety. So when you learn to present your request to God, to give it to God, you're acting in faith. It actually eliminates the anxiety. And get, then guess what happens? It improves your joy in your life. So you, there is a solution. Peter says it this way. He says that we should cast all of your anxiety on him. Guess why? Because he cares for you. So this is a beautiful way of, for you guys to get the visualization of what it means to cast your anxiety. It actually means to violently thrust it, to get it out of your life. So here's what we're going to do. We're going to invite the location pastors, Pastor Kyle, Pastor Kenton, Pastor Ryan, up on the stage, and I need four volunteers to come with them because I'm going to show you what it looks like to cast your anxiety on God today in a visual illustration that'll help you out, okay? we got four volunteers. We're going to do this across two counties. I don't know if it's ever been done, but we're going to play a game, and the game is a game you probably learned in elementary school, and it's called Hot Potato. How many played Hot Potato sometime in their life? All right, Hot Potato is this idea that you get a ball or a hot potato, and as soon as you catch it, you have to do what? You have to throw it. You have to get it out of your hand. As soon as it gets into your hand, you throw it and put it in somebody else's hand. And you're going to see the connection. This is what Peter means when he writes, cast your anxiety on God. Throw it out of your hand as soon as it comes on your hand. But we're going to make this fun. So I think we got it. Every location pastor is on stage right now at every location. Ready? We're going to play hot potato. We're going to see who's the winner between you four. Y'all, are, who's, who's going to take you? Ready? Okay, everybody's ready. We got a Starbucks gift card. We got a little uh, radiant mug for them. Can y'all get up for our volunteers at every location? All right. We good with sound? Ready? As soon as the sound starts, go. It was out of his hands, so we're going to take you out. You're out. Thank you so much. It's a, it's, a, it's a brutal game. You have to catch it and then release it. So it's no just bouncing it. Ready, set, go. Mama, I'm 
Danny. Out of there, Danny. Ready? We got two more. Ready to go. Two in every location. Ready, set, go. Mark is out. You got a winner. Come on, y'all give it up for her. Every location, we got a winner on the stage right there. So here's what this means to your life, okay? Hot potato looks something like this. It's the finances are tough. You throw it to God. The issue in your marriage is there. You throw it right to God. The struggle in your mind, you throw it to God. The issue with your kids, you throw it to God. Your boss and you don't get along, give it to God. Watch what happens with that school. You give it to God. Learn how to give stuff quickly to God and you'll see your anxiety diminish and your joy be fulfilled. Come on, give God better praise than that. Amen. And here's, here's what Paul promises you. Ready? If you'll learn to give things to God, here's what his response is. In verse seven, and the peace of God, it'll transcend all understanding. It'll guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Watch, let me tell you, people that have peace in their mind, they're just more joyful. And it's only possible when you get the anxiety out. And I think God is gonna do it to a lot of your lives today. Number two, simply this, complaining is a joy killer in your life. Here's what we've learned. We've bought into a lie that when we complain, it gets better. But how many know when you complain, it doesn't get better, it gets worse. And complaining will kill your joy. Actually, complaining is not just bad for your joy, it's bad for your health. And I I didn't realize this, I did this whole research this last week and I actually copied and pasted this right here, ready? Here's what it is. When you complain, your body releases the stress hormone cortisol. It says, and all the extra cortisol released by the frequent complaining impairs your immune system. And here's what it does and makes you more susceptible to high cholesterol, diabetes, heart disease, and obesity. It even makes the brain more vulnerable to strokes. Just by speaking negative out of your mouth. You want a negative life? Let it start with a negative tongue. When you start speaking bad, watch what happens when your life turns bad. And so a lot of you guys aren't experiencing joy because you haven't learned the art of speaking life. I'll tell you, we had a big win in my family in my, uh, to, to learning this idea where we t- actually teach our kids, because I don't know if you're like this, but my kids just complain just because it's easy. And, and they, they'll, when they don't want to do something, they, uh, their body just like all goes limp. I don't know if your kids do this. Like, I'm like, hey, it's time to clean your room. And like, all of a sudden, they can't walk anymore. They're like, I don't want to walk. I don't want to do it. I'm like, first of all, thank you guys for not doing that when you get bored. But I'm preaching. So like, they, they, they just they get upset, and then they start complaining. So we started a new rule that my parents did with me, where it's like, every time you complain, you got to say something positive. So they would complain about their, their sibling and we'll sit around the room, say something negative, sit around at dinner. And I'm like, well, you gotta say two things positive. My parents tried this with me all the time and it helped. It was training us in our speech. And so I was a smart aleck in the class. And so, I mean, in my, in my, my family, so they'd, I'd say something, my sister's annoying. My mom would be like, that's it. We are not complaining. We are not speaking negative. You ever speak two nice things of her. I'm like, well, I'm just glad. I'm positive I'm not as annoying as her. Come on, that's my positive statement. It's not good. So you got to train them because it's not natural for us. It is very, how many know, it's easy to complain. It's easy to find the dirt. It's easy to find what's negative. But Paul says it this way, and I want your help one more time speaking out, it out loud with me. He says it this way, right away, verse eight, next verse in, the, in our passage. Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is what? Whatever is, whatever is, whatever is, whatever is, 
whatever is, whatever is, and then you think about those things. So if we're going to have a positive life, we got to start speaking positively into our situations. When you complain about your spouse, the relationship gets worse. When you complain about your job, it gets worse. When you complain about your situation, it gets worse. That's why the Bible tells us why this is true, because it says like this in Proverbs, that the tongue has the power of life and death. So I was venting and complaining about stuff the other day. I got alone with the Lord and while I was praying, I was like, I don't know why I'm just feel so negative. Things aren't working out. And this is how the Lord challenged me. I wrote it down in my journal. And I put it in your notes here. And I said it this way. You can write it down. It's that, are we talking about our issues or are we talking to our issues? You see, the Bible says when there's a mountain in front of you, speak to that mountain and it will be removed. So you got to speak to your issues. But a lot of you guys are just speaking about your issues. So you're talking about your spouse and about your finances and about your struggle and about your depression. It's about time the people of God learn the power of life that's in their tongue and they speak to it and say, no, my marriage will get better. My kids will follow the Lord. My finances will turn around. I will be blessed. I will be an overcomer. I will not be addicted. Speak life into your situation, guys. Watch how things will turn around. It's a joy killer. I'm telling you, if you Learn how to get it out of your life. Here's a third one, ready? Discontentment. This one is a huge one for me because you will be discontent, if you, especially if you're like me where I'm like kind of an aggressive, I wanna win. I wanna win at all times. I wanna win at life. I wanna always be the best or the best or the best. But here's what that does. I can be so focused on striving to be the best in every situation that I lack the contentment that God wants me to have right now in this season that'll produce joy in my life. So a lot of you guys are missing out on the joy that God has for you right now because you're discontent about one little area of your life. So here's how Paul says it. Paul says it in verse 11, I have learned to be content whatever the circumstance. Now here's what's important about this phrase, ready? Look at it in your Bible. He says, I have what? You know what that means? You can learn it. So if you're discontent in life, I want you to know, Paul shows us it can be learned to learn how to walk in contentment. And he says, I know what it is to be in need, and I know what it is to have plenty. And then he goes on to say, I have learned the secret of being content in any and every situation. Now, it's been debated for centuries what Paul's secret of being content is, but I think I found it out, okay? If Paul was here today, he would tell us, here's the secret of being content. Ready? Stop comparing your life with others. I'm just going to hit on it for just a second because my joy is diminished as soon as I start focusing on everybody else's life instead of what God's doing in my life. I can leave our services and I think we have the greatest church in America, but I go on Instagram or I go on Facebook. Let me just be vulnerable for a second. And I'll look at all my other friends that are pastors and their, their church looks better. Their facility looks better. Their, their experience looks better. Pastor doesn't look better, but you got the idea. Like all the different areas. And what do I do? As soon as I start comparing, my joy goes down as I get discontent with the situation that God has me in. 
And the truth of the matter is, the situation I'm in is amazing. I'm healthy. My marriage is awesome. My kids are amazing. My church is amazing. But the devil knows how to get you so discontent so you're miserable in the moment where you're now comparing your behind the scenes with their highlight reels, which by the way, if they were honest, it's not as good as they're making it out to be. Actually, I'll prove it to you. Prove it, it's not as good. I was driving the other day on the Crosstown and I was listening to NPR because I'm old. And so I'm listening to the news and having this moment. And while I'm listening to the news, uh, it, it pops up this, this news article, I mean, this news story about a website that's going viral. You might have already seen it, but it's true. And I checked it out as soon as I did. I mean, I'm driving, I'm making a note as I'm driving going, this is the best sermon illustration ever about contentment. So while I was doing it, he goes, listen, you probably want to go on a vacation this Memorial Day weekend. You want to go somewhere this summer. You want to go travel. You want to go on a cruise. You want to go to Disney. But finances are tight. And here's the phrase. When you can't make a vacation, here's what they say, fake a vacation. True story. True website. So I went to the website. And it's called fakeavacation.com. And here's what you do. You go on this website. You pick the, the place that you want to go to. You pay $39.99 to sign up for the plan. You go into a park somewhere and you take some pictures of yourself. You send it into the website and they Photoshop you at the vacation of your choice so that then you can leave here, post it on Facebook and tell everybody about how great your vacation was. And right now they're starting with four locations with the Grand Canyon, with Las Vegas, with the beach and with Disney World. And it's true. And they're making millions of dollars off of it. That is sad, ladies and gentlemen. It's so sad. And you know what it is? It's an extreme version of what everybody's doing already. Where look at, you put the picture up of your house, but it's so clean. The picture of your family after 50 different shots of taking it. Like the truth is, is that your life is not as much as in order as it is, but you put the perfect stuff out there. And why? Because we want to present this idea. And here's what it's doing. It's destroying our joy when we compare what we know about ourselves, with what we think we know about other people. So I'm telling you, I got to a limit of this last week. I was with Katie. We were having this, uh, like I was away ministering and we're sitting by this pool in between sessions. And I was like, it was a great moment where I'm just sitting there. My kids are playing in the pool. I'm enjoying life. And then I go on social media and I see somebody else that I know it's a friend of mine. And they're just, they're having a vacation, but they're in a better spot than I'm at. They're in a bit, Barbados or somewhere. And I'm sitting there going, oh man, I wish I was there. And I had this whole moment where I'm realizing going, I've just got robbed of my joy of this moment, because I've just something that they could have faked their vacation for all I know. <laughs> so I, went, I told Katie, I said, Katie, this is an addiction in my life. It is an addiction. Like other people have addiction. Here's my addiction. It's the comparison game is overwhelming. I got to get it out of my life. So we both sat there by the pool. We both deleted our social media. We're like, let's take seven days. Let's detox our life for seven days. I already have a guy in our church that runs my church social media stuff. So I'm like, hey, just run this stuff. You put post up, but I'm off of it, so I can't like your pictures, and I don't, I don't see all your stuff. That's okay. For seven days, I got to get this straight in my life because I want my joy to increase, and I'm not going to have joy like God wants me to have joy, but I'm comparing my life with everybody else's life. Can I get a better amen than that today, church? Here, here's how I wrote it down in my notes, is that the richest person is not the one who has the most, but it's one who needs the least. 
So I'm just, I'm just satisfied with what God's given me. And, and here's, here's what I want you to know. You can experience this kind of joy in your life because here's where faith gets involved. And I'll close it out with this. Faith is simply saying, you know what? If God hasn't given it to me, that's okay because he knows exactly what I need to live in life and godliness and joy. So if he hasn't given you that bonus, guess what? You don't need it. If, if he hasn't given you that breakthrough yet, you don't need it. If, he, if you have three kids and you really, really want four, guess what? He's given you everything you need for this moment to experience joy. So just be happy with it, smile with it. And here's how Paul says it, ready? Content in every situation. Here's what he says, ready? He says, and then I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. The most misquoted verse in all the Bible has nothing to do with you winning basketball games or running faster than other people in the, the race. It has everything to do with in a season where it's easy to look at everybody else and be discontent because of what's not happening in your life. In that moment that you want to compare, you go, no, 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 no. I can have joy. You know why? Because I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. When I have a little bit, when I have enough, I'll be content in any situation because it is God who gives me the strength. It is God that'll bring me through and I can go and lean into him and find joy in that season. You can have that joy in any season. Here's number four. Last one, I'll close it out with this. It's simply greed. I'm telling you, there's no real joy killer quite like greed. Come on, you ever seen a greedy person? They're just stingy. Their face, you know, the older they get, they just, it, it sticks that way. It's just like, like, hey, you know, can you pay for this? No. Can, can you help me? You know, you're, you're shaking the little thing for Salvation Army. They walk by you. No, no. It's just, it's just a greedy person. Tony, greed will rob you of joy. It'll, it'll rob you. That's why um, Jesus himself said this phrase. He says it's more blessed. And the word blessed right there actually is the word happy. It's the word joy. It's, it's that fulfillment you want. It's way more blessed to give than it is to receive. So the solution to our greed, which greed, by the way, it's very normal. It's, it's what our society teaches us. It's all about you. Make your money. Do what you do to make you happy. And it's all about get, 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 get. And then we wonder why we're not happy because the kingdom of God is opposite than the thing is of this world. So we don't get... We're not happy when we get. We're actually happy when we give in the kingdom of God. We learn joy in this. We had a major breakthrough with my family the other day. Um, we had a lady across the street, one of our neighbors. She doesn't come to church. We've been praying for her um, to come to church, come to Radiant. And uh, her mom passed away recently. So she told us a story and it was sad. And she's talking us through the whole process of losing her mom. And so, so Katie told the girls, she's like, you know what we should do? We should make cookies for, for our neighbor. So I don't know if your kids are like this, but my kids, including me, they've learned this from me. I love some chocolate chip cookies. Can I get a good amen? Like, I mean, not just like regular chocolate chip cookies. I don't want the box. I want like homemade. I want like it melts in your hand. It's so gooey. It's, it's, it's not quite cooked. Come on, can I get a good amen? Like, it's just, I'll be back. No, no okay. Uh, we love some chocolate chip cookies. My girls love some chocolate chip cookies. We can eat some cookies. So the whole time we're making these cookies, they're making these cookies for, the, for this lady. Um, you know, the girls were like, hey, can we have one? Can we have one? And Katie's like, no, 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 no. These aren't for us. These are for her. These are for her. These are for her. So they package up all these cookies the whole time. They want them so bad. And they walk over there and they, they meet our neighbor over there. And they go, you know, we, we know you're struggling with, with this loss. We wanted to make you some cookies. And my daughter saw the, her face light up. They saw this lady go, 
And she turns to my daughter. She goes, y'all made me these cookies? Oh, yeah, we made them. You made them for me? Yeah. Did you get any of the cookies? No, but we wanted you to have the cookies. And it was like this big moment. And, and here's what happened. Lily told, I mean, uh, my wife told me when I, when I got home, she's like, Aaron, it was such a great moment. Because Lily told her, Lily's our six-year-old, her oldest. She said, hey, mommy, it was better to give the cookie than to eat the cookie. I thought, she got it. Finally, a parenting win. We needed one. And I want you to know this. It's always better to give than it is to receive. You help other people. Watch your joy increase. Watch that blessing come in your life. So here's how Paul said it. Paul closes it out this way. He goes, for even when I was in Thessalonica, you sent me aid. You helped me. You gave to me. He goes, more than once. Actually, all the verses before this are all about generosity too. So it's more than once when I was in need. He goes, not that I desired your gifts. Listen, it's not, get this guys, it's not about the money. They, people miss it when churches talk about money. They think it's about the money. It's not about the money. It's not about the gifts. What I desired is that more be credited to your account. Like I want you walking in fulfillment in ways that you never thought was possible, ways that the net world never can offer you. And it's only possible when you get out of the greed mode and you get into the generosity mode and you start serving others and giving to others and blessing others. Watch how your joy will increase. It just, it'll, it'll be the happiest you've ever been. Because here's why, write it down in your notes. Last point, because money can't buy happiness. And you know this, there's nothing you can buy that'll just all of a sudden fill that void in your life. But the very money that cannot buy happiness, you have to understand this, joy can generate generosity. So where money can't buy happiness, joy can generate generosity. So the money that you could have to buy you stuff could be used to generate generosity in your life that'll bring joy that you've never experienced in your life. And then here's your natural response, ready? Because I know we're all thinking it. Then what about me? Then what about me? And it's probably what Paul, listeners were sitting there going, well, if I'm supposed to give all the time, then what about me? If I'm supposed to give to this cause and this church and this homeless person and this thing, what about me? And here's how he ends it, ready? Last part of our, our, our series, last verse, last statement, ready? Here's how, God, how Paul ends this whole series on my joy is my job. He says, and my God will meet all of your needs according to the riches of his glory in Christ Jesus. So I have good news for you today. There is somebody that has figured out that joy comes after generosity. And that is our God. He realizes how much joy there is in giving. So guess what? In Hebrews it says, for the joy set before him. He gave his life and went to the cross. He knows every time he gives to you, he gets filled with more and more joy. So guess what? Our job, be obedient. We give to what God tells us to give. We give our tithe. We give to the homeless. We give to the broken. We give to planting churches. We do this and guess what God does? God's up there going, well, I want some joy too. And he's gonna bless your marriage and he's gonna bless your kids and he's gonna bless your family. He's a God, you can't outgive him. He wants the greater joy. So here's what I want you to do. I want you to eliminate one of these joy killers out of your life. Every eye closed, every, every location. I don't know what it is in your life today, but maybe it's greed. Maybe it's been keeping you from joy. Maybe it's, maybe it's comparison. You have discontentment. What is it in your life? I just want you to release it to the Lord right now and say, God, I wanna be filled with joy. 
What do you feel with joy? I don't want to compare my life with others. I don't want to have these issues in my life. I, I don't want that anxiety. I think there's some people across every location, you've just been kind of crippled by anxiety. Cast that care to God. Watch what happens when you give it to God. Lord, and I pray that as they give it to you, let the peace of God that passes all understanding, let it guard their hearts and their minds in Christ Jesus. With every eye closed, every head bowed, you're in here today and you go, Aaron, I don't have a relationship with God. I want you to know, for God so loved you that he gave. He gave his life and he gave it for you and he gave it for me so that we could have life and have it to the full. He was the first to give. He was generous with his life and he went to the cross to pay for your sins and mine. And you're here today and you go, Aaron, I don't have that relationship with God, but I want it. I want you to know it starts by faith today. You're putting your faith in Jesus and I can't live my life myself, but I have to give it to God and watch how he'll change your life. All over this place, at every location, if that's you on the count of three, I want you to throw that hand up, wave it at me, put it right back down and say, today's my day where I'm giving my life to Jesus. I wanna know the joy of knowing God. One, two, three all over this place. Come on, throw it up. Thank you, thank you, thank you in the back. Thank you. Just wave it at me. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you. So many people. Thank you in the back there. Just pray this prayer. Say, God, I give you my life. Today, I want to know the joy of knowing you, God. Lord, come into my heart. Forgive my sins. Release me of these addictions. Today, I choose to follow you. Not just today, but for the rest of my life. And we pray this prayer in Jesus' name. And everybody that believes it says, come on, can we celebrate with the people that just made the best decision of their life? Huge decision. Here's what I want you to do. If you just made that decision, I want you to take that connection card. Check on there. I committed my life to Christ. We're going to send you some resources. And we want to help you on this journey. I'm telling you, the Bible says all of eternity is celebrating when just one. And we had a bunch make a decision today. Can we join with eternity and celebrate those that just made the best decision? Here's how we're going to end this service. We're going to end this service at every location by giving to God today by being generous. And I want you to know, Radiant, you are the most generous church in America. Thank you for your faithfulness to God right here in this service. You can give on this service, you can give online through text giving. And what happens when we give, every time we give, every time we bring our tithe, every time we give to God, it breaks greed off of our life. And you get more joyful every time you give. So thank you for being faithful to God. I want you to know because you're giving, we're seeing lives changed for eternity. And our church is doing more now than we've ever done before because of your generosity. I'll say this one statement, because I really feel like God put it on my heart for you. Is for me personally, I care a lot about my family. I wanna make sure my home is safe. I wanna make sure my kids are safe. I wanna make sure my marriage is good. And I remember the Lord really clearly speaking to me years ago and said this statement. He said, Aaron, if you take care of my house, I'll take care of your house. And there's something about giving to God's house and honoring God. And, and I think generosity is amazing across the board. We need to give to a lot of great ministries. But there's something about giving to God's house. And when I take care of God's house, he takes care of mine. There's, he'll, he'll meet the desires of your heart whenever you meet his desires. And his desires are people, lost people, his church growing. And we have an opportunity to sow in that today. So Lord, we thank you that we get to give to you. We have the huge opportunity of being generous with our finances. Lord, thank you that as we take care of your house, as we build your church across Tampa Bay, that you will take care of our house, that you will bring promotions and jobs and breakthroughs like we never thought was possible. In Jesus' name we pray. And everybody that believes it says, amen, amen, amen. Thank you for listening to the Radiant Church Podcast. 
For service times or giving options, visit us at weareradiant.com.